Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, brought to you as a part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And noble listener, it was too good to be true. I, I jinxed it last week. I spoke to the pitcher during the no-hitter. And then streak broken. We are no longer with a full OG bandwagon as David Ongar off and in some time with the family and friends, I do believe is kind of what I understood it to be. Great. Here's the funny thing. He's still DMing us right now while he's on his trip. Like I DMing him back and forth uh, about a, the Pittsburgh Penguins getting the uh, defense, the, the like defenseman of the year out of the NHL in a big trade today. I can't even remember the guy's name. He was so good that I forgot his name. But so yeah, Dave's Dave's with us in spirit, but not here. Never fear though, because it was Eric Carlson, by the way. That's who I couldn't remember. Traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins for those who don't care. Anyway, we do still have three quarters of the OG bandwagon here. That's right, everyone. We still have our, our foundational pieces here today. I am, of course, joined by acting producer, Mr. Saturday Night, the king of the chair shot radio, all things correctly timestamped, if Tunney says so. That's right, PC Tunney. Welcome to the program once again, sir. You are the king with the longest current active streak of bandwagoners on the program. Yes, and Patrick would like to say it's because I don't have a life. It is because you don't have a life. You golf and you sit on that chair and sometimes work. I don't even like I, I assume you have a job. Like I assume you get paid in some way. Like he's, he's a trust fund golf. kid. No, I, I, I wish. That'd be great. <laughs> it's a very, very uh, much that other voice very you, much have a job, that other voice Patrick you heard, I, I assume so. Um uh, sure you work from home. So you can sit in that chair with your cat. No, all not, at, not at all. Any, I do not. I do not. He's the OnlyFans creator. He is an OnlyFans content creator. That, that other either. voice, that of course, wrong. you hear. That other voice you hear is our good friend, the Reverend himself, Reverend Raymond S. Cashington, the 732nd Esquire. Did we jump exponentially? Your, fam- your, fa- your family got busy over the week, man. They're very busy. Like, busy. Busy. B U S A Y. That's how busy they were. Can I get the Can I get the drop, Tony? The ooh. I don't have that. Oh, okay. But well, you don't have this. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. I just didn't want. Here we go. Play it, gentlemen. What it do? How y'all doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Thank you for asking. It's been a stressful week. Month yeah. of August is a stressful month, man. Like I, I share this all the time. When you work in higher education. The month of August and the first couple of weeks of September are, are just, they're hell on earth. It's, it's, that's our nightmare time. That's our busy time. That's our high anxiety time. And that's what we deal with. But, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to listen to me cry and moan and whine about like what's going on in my life because we're here to talk about nerdy shit, guys. And this week, you know, we are much to the, much to the delight of one PC Tunny. We are going to start covering season three of The Witcher, episodes one and two. 
All right, because you you don't even watch the show. That's why I'm boom. That's why I'm down on it. Yes, fifteen minutes every Sunday. We record on Sunday. Sorry, inside baseball. Um, fifteen minutes every Sunday. <laughs> I'm just come here for no reason. I'm just here. I mean, I appreciate you that you're here for no reason. You could, you know, watch the show, despite what Tony said. I know it's not your gig. I know it's not your bag. It's fine. I understand. Why would um, I? Like say, why would I do? Why would I do such? Look, first and foremost. <laughs> first and foremost, um, you mentioned um, the no hitter um, analogy. Shout out to Framber Valdez, H Town. Secondly, uh, I've seen Flash Gordon as many times as there are Cashingtons. Okay. That's a lot of no. That's a lot of Flash Gordon watches. That's that's how so, legit I am so they, when it comes to bandwagon. So you could tell then you could tell us how the people of Arborea enter into manhood. I absolutely could. And, and we'd love to hear you describe that on the program. Unfortunately, we don't have the time because we have the Witcher we have to talk about. Since you won't let us skip. That's his Dave is out, and Dave is the Henry Cavill. This is actually a, an appreciative boo. Like, I appreciate, I appreciate the dedication. So you earned the boo. Uh, congratulations. Yes, we are going to talk about Witcher season three, episodes one and two, dropped on Netflix. So quite a little while ago, we're keeping up with it uh, because we started covering this uh, this series back when it first dropped. Two out of three. Of the bandwagoners watch and still enjoy it. One of them, you know, he's gone. He hasn't. I don't think he's gone quite full lock and key hatred because that's just bad television. I, I hope you haven't gotten that bad. Like, I know you did not feel it, but Tony, but we're, we are going to cover that. We got a unique bunch of trailers and then a ton of news around the nerdosphere. Before I wanted to revisit um, our conversation about Marvel uh, that we had towards the end of, you know, as we put a bow on Secret Invasion that I hope to get to at the, at the second half of the program. Uh, Cause I think there's a lot of fun there. And so, and some more conversation to be had, especially as these kind of reactionary articles, in my opinion, have, have started to started to drop. But before we do any of that, we are, we are going to talk about the Witcher and Tony, I don't know. Do you have any music from the Witcher? Or was that all day? No, I mean, just like, we're talking about it Ooh. okay um thanks ray thanks, very ray. very nice it sounded just like the real thing i i wanted to toss a coin myself so <laughs> it's it's funny we we have it the show we've been waiting for a very long time for these seasons to drop and there's this interesting dynamic with this this season because we know it is the final season with henry cavill playing the title role of Geralt of Rhea. Uh, and so there is, there is this like sort of feeling of inevitability going on that sort of overshadows this season as we watch it, because we know we're watching the, the end of sort of Henry Cavill's run. We watched uh, the first two episodes for our, our show today. And really a lot of this was catching up and sort of setting up the chess pieces for the season if for lack of a better way to describe it you know we ended season two Geralt and Yennefer and Ciri have been finally reunited they've been sort of split to the four winds over all, all this time through various you know problems that have happened between the two uh but they finally are reunited but there's tension within 
the group between Geralt and Yennefer because it is revealed that Yennefer, when she lost her magic, she actually made a pact with basically like a demon witch to uh, possess Ciri, which then resulted in Yennefer being able to get her magic back. Like her desire for magic was so powerful uh, that she she couldn't live without it. And so Geralt, who is definitely taking on this fatherly role with Ciri, he, he can't forgive her. Uh, but they're traveling together as a trio because Yennefer has sworn to teach Ciri how to use her gift and teach her how to use magic the same way that Geralt taught Ciri how to fight. And so as we open the first season, they're on the run from all these different groups of people that are that are chasing them, most notably Ciri's father, who is also the, the emperor uh, that has been largely missing for well, has been missing for two seasons and now is clearly going to be kind of the big bad. Uh, there are other pieces of political intrigue going on. We are, you know, we get a follow-up with the elves, the queen of the elves, who's desperately trying to also track down Siri because she believes that Siri is the one who can unite their people. They, uh, she is actually at odds with some of the folks within her own uh, kingdom. What's what's left of it within their camp is there are those that feel that her obsession with tracking down Siri is superseding basically surviving and being able to claim and carve out a kingdom that is their own as opposed to living in the woods and hunting caravans. And and then you have the level of political intrigue, and I'm going to forget the name of the country, uh, where we've got the king. It's like... Uh, it also everything starts with an R in in fucking Witcher. It's like um, I'm gonna do this real quick. Kingdoms in the Witcher. In uh, of course there the four kingdoms. It's Redania. Redania is the one. Uh, sure. the King of Redania. Yes. Who. Dude, that's that's got Graham McTavish is the the bald dude who's getting whipped by uh, the like the two of them that are in cahoots with the spies and the king's brother who oh. is introduced in this episode. Sigis, like, there's Sigis some Lund. weird bondage shits going on there. There's <laughs> there's a lot of fun happening um, over there, but they too are also trying to track down Siri, uh, and they have enlisted uh, our good friend uh, um, Yaskiar, uh, the bard to to try and, and get them to escort Siri to Rivia. The uh Genia, sorry. The other medium bad is 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 Rience right now, Firefinger guy. Yes. Who has got some other shadow sorcerer and he's the one who actually like takes real action in these first couple episodes, like sending creatures after Siri to the point where Geralt is like, I'm gonna go after this guy myself to uh to try and like take him out and through that learns that there is another power behind that guy firefinger guy as you like to say um and that showdown i think is is going to be interesting to see how long it takes um let's let's go back to the first episode the thing i really liked about this first episode is that it spent a lot of time rebuilding Geralt and yennefer and their relationship because, dude, I got some real Cheers vibes. Like, the, like, damn it, when are they going to get together and just 
Like, can you fucking fuck again already? For God's sakes, you two desperately want to be with each other. Just, just get it done. Well, that's going to be like the underlying story of this whole thing, right? Right. Their, their desire to, like, they basically promised each other that no matter what it takes to finish this this story, they're going to get back to each other, right? That's kind of what they promised each other. And they were both happy right. about it. And then, well, then Geralt had to fight. Then like they split a, up again. And Geralt had to fight like a 12-body centipede thing. Yes, with like weird heads dangling from a I, cave. I will say this, and I hope you agree with me. I, I really liked a lot of the action sequences, a lot of the fights, a lot of the attacks, yeah. a lot of the individual work from the Witcher or other people where they would do the round kind of thing. Um, and I didn't think that the blood was too gory to, to you know to have to look away, but it was there. Yeah, the little O'Dowd watched uh, both episodes with me today. You know, kind of, you know, kind of gets me. And that weird conglomeration of uh, women apparently in the second episode like that was his he was like oh that's kind of gross like i don't know i don't understand what's going on there that's weird but other than that like yeah the action scene was really good and really tony you know agree with me on this that's kind of what made the first season a lot of fun to watch was those him battling those monsters like that's because that's what he does and so to see him having those sorts of battles was was a was a nice touch and then you had the giant rolling um i don't know whatever that thing was yeah the pill bug thing yeah. that like smelled blood so that that was I did. those were fun they incorporated the maze there you kind of knew and then he you know even when you're talking about going into the body thing he's like this is a trap this is a trap and then he turns right. into, turns into super witcher and uh it's just really fun like you said the dynamic of the family thing is what's hoping they're trying to get to at the end where they're going to make good on putting Siri in the right place, you know, if if that is her place, uh, truly. Right. Um, and I think Yennefer and, and Geralt, I don't know, does does Geralt die in her arms and that's where we get the new Witcher? Or how does this get connected? Is this down the road <sighs> with Siri's Yeah, I control? Yeah, I don't know. I've tried really, I've tried really then, hard to stay spoiler-free on it. I'm trying not so... to, and I'm not okay. trying not to hit the last part of the episode. So if you want to go ahead with that or you have anything else before that. Well, I, I do want to touch on some things here with the, like the Elven Kingdom clearly being in turmoil. The, sure. the queen trying to leverage... Um, that I'm going to just call him Mohawk Elf because he's not important for me to remember his name. Oh, isn't but that he's kind a, of the guy who's... That's Amel's brother, isn't it? Robbie Amel? Is it Robbie? Yeah. Yes, you're right. It's Robbie Amel. It's, the character's name is Gallatin um, for what it's worth. I'm just like, okay, that's nice. Um, but he... And he's buddies with the, you know, the knight that um, was the primary... Prag- Kahir. you know antagonist Kahir. Kahir, yeah back at the in the first seasons Kahir, who's kind of been sort of slumming it for a little bit kind of biding his time and it looks like he's about to make his move uh as they're about to make you know an attempt to take over the elves and, and usurp the queen the other um and so that's that's definitely going to be a thing that's going to come and play the other thing i wanted to talk about is Sirius is starting to have these visions uh she's starting to see people's futures and because she's a petulant teenager, she keeps keeps doing things she thinks is right, but isn't seeing like kind of what the greater ramification for these things will are for. And Yennefer finally sharing with Siri 
her her history to to help her be like, yo, you need to stop this. Like you can't like as much as you want to do everything, you just yeah. can't. You, you, um, you can't was be nice. A- but yeah, why don't we get to the last little point then? As you know, and Geralt in his tracking of um the the Firefinger guy, it leads him to this cave where it's clearly a trap. He frees a young girl and yeah, she says she tells him that she's Siri. <laughs> right. And okay, so I'll I'll get I'll let you have first crack at this. What was your reaction when she says, "You know me, I'm Siri." I mean, are we in a different <laughs> Firefinger guy is Reince, by the way. Um Reince, yeah. Been a while since we've come to the show. No, I've got it in front of me, so I'm just trying to keep pace as we go for for everybody. Um, you know, I don't know. I is this a is this like a witch trick to get to stay to track him with this or something? You know, is this someone that's like was that a was that just like a a red herring? The monster that he fought, knowing that the girl is the one that's actually the monster that just can kind of, you know what I'm saying? Could we have a shape shifting kind right. of thing going on? Or yeah, is this like a multi multiversal thing or what? That's, you you know, know what? We're really, I hate so that that popped in my head. We're so conditioned so for that shit, aren't we? Because he goes he goes through a portal, yeah, and right? I he goes through a yeah. portal and suddenly somewhere else and we're like, oh, but like the set, you, you know where you know where it's going. Like the second she appears, like when he pulls her out of that weird cocoon thing and I'm like, wow, she looks a lot like Siri. Like a lot like Siri. Right down to the really dark eyebrows and the super platinum blonde hair. So, and then, yeah, but I'm Siri. I'm like, oh, no. I was thinking maybe like a relative or something. You know what I mean? Maybe. But um, not Siri. It could all be – It's you're right, though. It could all be a ploy. Here's the thing. With eight episodes, I have a feeling this is going to be resolved by episode three. Like, I have a feeling we're going to find out more by episode three. Um, you know, knowing that this season was divided into two parts – and I think it was just like a four and four split. You got four episodes, it took a break, and then four more episodes. Like, you know there's got to be some sort of like climactic confrontation that wraps up the first half, quote-unquote half. So I wonder if that's where, you know, Geralt confronts Rance. Uh, maybe not, I don't know. I could be talking crazy talk. Uh, I just know that the second it happened, it was very predictable. And I was like, I don't know if I like this or not. I'm going to let it marinate. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens. Unlike, unlike you, I've enjoyed some of the other political intrigue and stuff that's gone on. Like the, the King's brother being like this dude who's just acting the fool, but is totally not a fool. Like you can just tell that dude knows what he's doing. Oh yeah. He's, and jerking, he's great at it. Yeah. He's jerking Yaskier around. Totally. Hell yeah. Poor Yaskier is in all kinds of trouble. Is uh, it's just it's all gonna bite him in the ass, and Yaskier's just trying to help his friends, and that sucks. But no, on the whole, like I, I get that you're you're where you are with this with the series and sort of how you feel about things. These first two episodes are very much just sort of shifting the chess pieces in place for where we're going this season. You know, you know, we end with Yennefer. She's bringing Siri back to the tower where she was created and where she was born with magic. So. That could be a huge thing. She could be getting training in a different way that way for for who we presume to be the real Siri. It's um, it's a lot. It's it's intriguing, 
And uh, I'm actually, you know, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm interested to see where we go. And again, to see where this goes inevitably with the departure of Henry Cavill, six episodes from now. I enjoyed the first two episodes. It was it was fun. It was it had enough light things. It had enough heartstring things with the family, kind of the three of them forming a family for a while. And it does give intrigue to what's going to happen now in the future. So I hope I I don't really want anything longer than the amount we got of these episodes. It was like an hour and then a fifty some plus fifty plus fifty five minutes. I think if they live, right. I didn't look ahead. I should have. But if I think if they lived in like the sub fifty, like forty five to fifty world, it might go a little smoother. There were a yeah, few things just, that were dragged out, but they were the first two episodes, so I don't know. Yeah, just don't just don't pull a Marvel and do like a thirty five minute episode. Like, what are you doing, Marvel? I mean, if you want to know, I can tell you right now. Sure, you can. I could too. I can pull up the old. I could pull up the flicks. Here we go. We got. Episode three is an hour and one minute. Episode four is 55. Episode five is 50. Episode six is 48. Seven is 52. And the last episode is one hour and five minutes. So we're pretty much living in that hour world. Kind of solid, yeah. All right. We'll get there. Okay. Well, that's going to be our coverage for this week. Dave will come back. I'm sure he'll have like a bajillion thoughts that he'll want to cover next week when we, when we get into the show. Uh, but what we are going to do right now is we are going to take our first commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to jump into the trailer park and talk a little Nintendo. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right. We just uh, we just walked straight into the trailer park. Like I, I didn't get to ask for any music. It's still playing. Just, banjo's not stopping. Uh, I, Ray's playing air banjo. I was I was gonna be you know I was like welcome <laughs> back to bandwagon. I had my spiel ready. I I, to be I like jumped the forward slash the chair shot. Invest in your chair shot shirt. It's nineteen ninety nine. Get a soft smile. Feel great on your giblets. The whole deal. And and you're. You know, I called you Mr. Chairshot, and this is this is how you thank me. I can't even pay the bills. I, you did a good job making up for my sure. thing, but it sounds good low underneath you. All right, that's that's fine. Well, we are here in the trailer park once again. I have pulled together an eclectic batch of films, and I couldn't resist this first one. Let's let's get the banjo gone. Um, I couldn't resist this first one because here we go. Okay, so we've had cocaine bear. We've had cocaine shark. We've put all kinds of animals on drugs. Why not have another animal-based horror film hit a theater? This is going to hit this. So we got this trailer for this movie. It's called Slaughterhouse. That's right, kids. It's Slaughterhouse, but sloth instead of slaughter. Uh, And it's a killer sloth attacking a sorority house. It, the production value, let's just say, this is going to see a 
limited release, fellas. I'm thinking it's going to be on Shutter in like a week and a half after it drops. But I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed the trailer because it cracked me up to watch Sloth running around killing people because they're an alpha. If I were really high on a, you know, well, if I was just really high and it was late at night, I'd probably watch Slother House. It's It's got enough tongue in the cheek for me to enjoy it. Ray, what say you? Slother House, horror movie okay. of the century. Can I just first say I'm happy to be back on the show? Welcome back to the show. Thank you. You never left the to... show. You were still here. You just didn't contribute to the Witcher talk. That's fine. Yeah, so I wasn't on the show. Yeah. You know, I but finally I the part of the show that presence, I could contribute to. Your 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 beautiful presence enveloped me in your sweet, sweet chocolate arms and you just hugged me. Oh, it's beautiful. Covered like up it, covered bear. up in my love. Oh. Oh yes. Well thank you. You're, you're a big bear, man. You guys are All right. better. Let's let's talk about Slaughterhouse now. Um, man, why they gotta do flash flash hundred yard dash like that, bro? Like why? <laughs> And and the the thing, so I don't know if I know you weren't paying attention to me and what I was doing while y'all were talking about Geralt and Crystal Ball and Jackie Jack and Mook Mook, but my face was like, what? At was one out of four in bed, right? My face as I was watching this was like, what are we doing? Um, by the way, we are taking a sloth and killing sorority girls. It's awesome. Of all of the animals, you you pick a sloth. By the way, if a sloth kills you, you deserve to die because they're quite slow. So you probably deserve to get got. Yes. It, it, well done. See, this is why we need you to because Patrick just accurately portrayed a sloth and how he would do if he tried to kill you. That like it's the same thing people tell me being Houstonian when they're like, I don't know how I would do it, the hurricane. Just just go leave. It's gonna be a week before it gets here. So like, it, nonetheless, I am I am entranced by the sloth. I will be watching, and I won't be in. Oh, well, I love it. You're like, this is the dumbest idea ever. Horrible, horrible film. All that said, I'm gonna totally watch this movie. It's the Sharknado yeah. effect. Like, it's so yeah. stupid, you have to watch. So when it go when it hits theaters in 3D on IMAX, Tony's front row. Is, is it too is it too horror for you, Tony? Because we know you don't do horror. It is. It looks it looks very graphic. It might be a little heavy for you, man. I didn't watch the trailer. I have no interest. Next! No soup. One year, come back. You know, you know, he has a trust fund, baby. His, 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 his people probably funded the movie. That's why I've already true. seen it. See, now this, this new is because you're a stick in the mud. not. Way to be a team player, man. That's all I'm saying. I represent the large percentage of Americans that don't want to see movies about sloths. And yet this movie was a headline on uh, Yahoo!, for like five minutes is one of their headline articles. So somebody's talking about it. All right. Here's one that I shared that I, I, I am very interested in this little HBO doc. It's called BS high. It is sharing the story of, uh, is it Bishop Sycamore? Is that the Bishop name Sycamore. of it? Bishop Sycamore? It is a school, um, where, it, where, it was basically like an athlete factory was what was the idea behind it. And, you know, as somebody who follows college sports very, very, you know, religiously, and you see it, I, I 
like I follow recruiting a ton and so many recruits like high school kids leave their high school districts and go to some of these sort of athlete factory schools like the IMG Academy in Florida and place like this. Uh, and Oak there Hill is Academy a lot of basketball. Yep. Oak Hill. And there's a lot of question as to what kind of education the kids are actually getting there or are they just going there and playing sports. And I'm really, I, I don't know a lot about Bishop Sycamore other than what I saw out of the trailer where they show this school get slaughtered by said IMG Academy, like 70 something to nothing, like just gets obliterated. Uh, but it sounds like this was, this particular school was a fraud. The thing that's really interesting is that the guy who runs it doesn't pretend like it's not a fraud. And like the whole interview, like as he's sitting there, he's very matter of fact about the way he describes it. And so as, as somebody who's always been intrigued by this, especially because Florida, for example, is just such a, in football, that's one of the big three states you go to recruit. You go to Florida, you go to Texas, and then you go to Florida again, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you just go back to Florida, like, and, and and I, you know, I make that joke, but the thing, there's so much talent in the state of Florida that they, they just don't know what to do. Like, but by the time the Alabamas and the even Florida, Florida states, the Notre Dame, like the Blue Bloods, Georgia, they they go through and they they have their pick of the litter in in, in the state. Schools like, I'll use the Big Ten as an example. Schools like Illinois. Iowa, Wisconsin, some of these other schools, they can still find quality Division One caliber athletes out of the state of Florida because it is so loaded with talent. And these schools, they're the one like they're, they're the ones where a lot of these kids I see these recruits go to. It's it's devastated high school, it's de- devastated, devastated the Chicago Public League. Uh, in Illinois, the Chicago Public League in football and basketball used to be phenomenal. You could find great talent there, and because they're not supported and funded very well, these kids are going to where there's better opportunity and and chances to play at bigger colleges and these places like this. So I'm very interested in this. I'm sorry I talked about this a little more than I intended to. Uh, Tony, what did you think of this trailer? I thought of myself. You didn't watch it. You didn't watch it either. I thought of myself yeah. and Ray Cash and Christopher Platt having covered this on Three Man Weave back when it came out on ESPN. That's what I thought of. Um, we talked for a good portion of time about this, and I know exactly what happened. Um, Ray, you remember doing this, don't you? Like, this guy is Very such vividly. a fraud. These kids, they didn't go to class. There was no class. Like, the parents were paying for the hotels and stuff like that. And, like, the guy was just spending money to keep it going. And there was nothing out of it but, like, very limited training and, and access to practice facilities and things of that nature. Like, you, you've seen the one kid, he didn't even have a helmet they were sharing. So, like, right. and and this really didn't come out in, into the public, like, exactly like they shown when they got demolished on ESPN. And people went, wait, what the fuck? What is this? Oh, this isn't even a school. These kids don't even, you know, no curriculum, no nothing just staying in a hotel practicing limited time that, that that's the thing that was the biggest thing to me there have been many a person many an entity that has made fake schools or schools that are not accredited 
correctly. So that's not a, that's not a shock to me. What's shocking is that it got so big that these fools got to ESPN. Like, do, does ESPN not do any type of vetting for the schools, the high schools they put on on their channel? Like, it's wild to me. And if I'm correct, if I'm, if I'm wrong, Tony, they had multiple games on ESPN, correct? Uh, I I think they were supposed to. I don't know that they did or not, but maybe they did. Maybe the prior season they had something, or they had players in a game. I think that was the thing. But it's just hilarious. Someone at ESPN was either lazy or got fleeced over on the phone by in a, in a quick uh, highlight video. Had to have been. Um, but I've I've become a huge fan of document documentaries. Well, this one's and gonna be fun. Yes, and especially um, sports documentaries. And I don't mean like, yeah, uh, the life and times of such and such is cool. But I'm talking about like Last Chance You, which is one of my favorite shows of the past five yep. years. I'm a, I'm a, I'm obsessed with Last Chance You and stuff like that. Stuff that shows the real lives of these people who probably ain't gonna ever make it, right? But they're playing as if it's everything to them. And um, so something like this. And seeing how far these kids got, and like you said, all of these all of these documentaries, last chance you is only as good as the coach. The coach has to drive the show because that's the person that it's built around, right? The fact that the dude who's the coach of this show or the coach of this school, not only is it charismatic enough to carry the the doc, but it's open. Like, yeah, I'm the most honest liar I know. Like that's what you want to see. I need to know about this stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I cannot wait. August twenty third, I will be on the Max, and I will be watching. I was gonna call HBO Max, but get the HBO out. Excellent, excellent. All right, yeah, I'm fully on board with this. I'm gonna be watching this on Max, uh, or it may even play on HBO. Who knows? Um, let's get to this next one. This next trailer. So this is a Dracula story. But what I find really interested about, interesting about this trailer, this trailer is called The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Um, this is a story within the larger story of Dracula that has never been really told. And this is why I'm really interested in this film because in Bram Stoker's Dracula, there Dracula travels to London by ship, and that ship, when it arrives, is devoid of crew. And it's the it's the the Demeter, and there's never really a whole lot that's said about what happened on that ship. And so it's, you know, in the in the grand scale of the book and in the story of Dracula, it's one of these things is just, you know, it happened in, and is part of it. And you, it gives you the sense that there's something wrong with this guy. But this, this tells you how Dracula made it to, to London and how he survived and what the crew did to try and escape and, and defeat him, although it is doomed to failure if you've read the book. Like, spoiler alert, the crew all dies. But I don't know. I found this really intriguing, and I thought it was a neat take on an old 
story, you know, one that we've heard in different ways for years and years and years, and it's been portrayed differently. And this one <coughs> really leans into the atmosphere of the claustrophobia of a ship, uh, a lot of scenes of dark and storms. You know, Dracula is not fully regained of his strength. Like he's a weird bat creature amalgamation of a vampire thing. And the tension is there. There's some familiar faces. Uh, the one that popped off my head, I'm going to forget his name. The guy who played the Onion Knight in uh, Game of Thrones is, is one of the players, uh, is one of the member of the crew on the ship. Uh, I'm going to, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. I'll have to look him up. But um, I don't know. I looked, I looked interested. Nick Offerman, I think, is in it. Nick Offerman's in that movie? Yeah, isn't he? Wasn't he one of the statesmen of the ship? Well, oh, yeah, I think you might be right. How about the main character, Corey, Corey Hawkins, also known as Dr. Dre? Oh, yeah. The black dude, Strader Compton, and he was, um, he's oh, in Walking Dead, and he's been in a lot yeah. of movies. He's really, he's really becoming a big time dude and I, i'm a huge fan of his um Liam we haven't Cunningham, had a good that's the guy i was trying to remember he, uh, he was the onion knight ben kingsley? ben kingsley and rosie perez oh okay correct me if i'm wrong patrick we haven't had a, a good dracula movie in a while right no it's been a while yeah. um and it's 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 one of those that's really challenging because it's such a known story. It's such a famous story. You know, Bram Stoker's Dracula probably, uh, you know, was brought to us by Francis Ford Coppola, probably the one that I would say that I remember with Keanu Reeves, you know, Tony's favorite actor, and Anthony Hopkins and Winona Ryder, uh, Gary Oldman's in that film. A lot of big-time, big-time, big-time stars for the time when they came out. That movie... That movie was huge. Um, but I don't know. Uh, Ray, your comment on this uh, this trailer. What do you think? Give it in the chat. So, you know, when you have these entities that are damn near larger than life, right? Dracula is, right. as an entity, is people who have never even seen Dracula have heard the term and know what it is or who he is or it is. When you have these things, I'm like you. I'm always interested in how you can make it relevant and different. And I love that you, how you eloquently explained that the story of him getting from Transylvania to London, there's the part missing that's never been told. And that's the story of this voyage on this ship. That's interesting to me because, right. you know, it, you watch the cause of the movie town getting destroyed, right? You watch a zombie movie, people are getting killed. Like, there are certain things you can expect. Brains are but getting the eaten. Interest, brains are getting eaten, right? But the exactly, interesting thing right? about this is, like you said, he's not quite the Dracula we know. And the crew seems to really put up a fight, whereas ain't nobody ever put up a fight against Dracula when he's full strength. That's just impossible. So there's some interesting, there's, there's some interest to that. Add to that the lore of, you know, p people really love voyage type movies on ships it's got a great cast i'll give it a watch i don't know if this is a movie i'll pay 12 dollars to go see in theater yeah oh, that's well, and, watch. 
August is such an interesting time for movies because it's when it's when the summer season starts to wind down. The last tentpole movie is Blue Beetle, right? Like that's that's really kind of the last sort of summer blockbuster, and it's getting it's getting good buzz, by the way. Uh, so this is when you kind of do a throw throw something against the wall and see if it sticks, uh, and, and see how it goes. And so you, you know the studio, I don't think has anything to lose, and. Um, yeah, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be good stuff. So I, I'm really interested, Tony. Uh, I think you're front and center on this one, right? Honestly, I, obviously, I'm not going to go to the theater for this one. And I was really intrigued by the trailer. I was really intrigued by the trailer, though. It looks like a really good story. It looks like it's going to be really well done. It'll probably be something I'd have to watch at like 6 a.m. when the sun's just come up, and I was and while I'm eating breakfast, you know, and and had like guard dogs and cloves of garlic and crosses just in case you know them watching it brings out the real i figured he, yeah. he, he probably went to bed closed the casket already by the time i watch it so i should be good fair enough fair enough okay all right let's let's get to the the, the trailer we're really excited to talk about we got a bigger more full low-key season two trailer and we got we got a little bit of insight into what's going on, but again, a re- revelation of nothing of what's going on. As we are revisited by Loki, he's hanging out with uh, I'm already forgetting what um, Owen Wilson's character's name was. It Morpheus? Mobius and Mobius. 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 Yes. I kept calling him Morpheus, and that was Sandman and/or the you know the Matrix, but. Loki seems to be getting jerked through time. I can't, and we get to see Kihui Kwan's character uh, try to explain it. And the little Odao, that was his favorite part of the trailer. He's like, "You know what this is? Yes. You know, you know what's so you've seen it before. Yes, and you can fix it. No. <laughs> uh, and, and so um, something's going wrong with Loki specifically. Uh, we do get looks at Jonathan Majors." As Kang in his various iterations, we got a look at the um, the scene. Uh, which movie was it an after credit scene for? Was it Ant Man Quantumania? Yeah, is that where it was? Or Loki and and Mobius were were in the. We got we got a revisit of that scene. Uh, we got some more iconography of um, of Kang in different iterations uh, throughout throughout the. The um, the episode we we got a return of um, shit. I'm forgetting everybody's name now. Uh, Who are you thinking of? Ravana, Lady Loki. Oh, Sylvie. Sylvie, yeah. We got to see Sylvie. She's going to be back, of course. Kaylee uh, Fleming. Looks like a lot, lot more uh, play into magic for Loki this time around. We got to see him doing more trickery sort of stuff, and I thought that was kind of fun. And cool. Uh, we're, you know, obviously we're going to watch this series. It comes out um, after the Marvels or the Marvels. October, right? So before the Marvels, because the Marvels comes out in November. Yeah. So that's, that's coming. Um, I don't know. What'd you guys get out of this trailer? What'd you think? What'd you see? I'm off today, guys. I don't know what's going on today. My brain is. Sort of it's more over. it's more collaborative today, which is fine. It's, uh, let me work. let me just let me just throw this at you as I'm looking at the cast. 
and then Ray, you can go ahead and go. Um, Tessa Thompson and Valkyrie is, and Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner are both in the cast for this. Ooh, so okay. Interesting to see where we go that way. Um, and I agree the scene with, with um, Kihue Kwan is, is hilarious where he's like, yeah, we know what it is and we don't know what to do. <laughs> it's we, we spoke about this in Secret Invasion when we just saw the casting list before we knew who was what. And we were like, Olivia Coleman, big deal, right? She got to be doing something right. big. Well, Key did just win Best Supporting Actor. Like, he's a big deal again. So to get him in this, in this series is a big deal, even though they got him. This isn't, he did, you know what I'm saying, it's been a minute. But still, it's a big deal. He's hot. It's always been a fantastic actor. Auro, he's hot again. Auro Boros? Don't know that, that is. That's his, that's, his, that's his character's name. Oh, okay. I just called him the IT guy. But that works. The too. IT guy. Um, so Loki is a weird thing, right? Loki as a character is probably the most charismatic character of anybody in the MCU, not named RDJ, right? I think I don't think that's in question. However, the story is always dependent on who is going against. The first thing I noticed was the end of Loki season one. Mobius and um, the other, what you call her, uh, Stacker B442, or whatever her name was, didn't know right. who he was. Because yes. after Sylvie destroyed the timeline, Loki, who was this? Who was this guy? But when you look back now, Loki and Mobius are again besties, you know, besties with testes again. So I'm interested to see how that happened did was there a multiversal thing is him dipping out of in and out of um the fabric of time making him go back and forth to different versions of that timeline and he finds mobius there's an interesting part of the of the uh, of the um trailer where he gets the stick that they press people with and sends them to the abyss or whatever it's called and he does it to the wall and then it shows kind of the background of kang's face again that's interesting to me because why is it hidden, right? Um, it's interesting to see Sylvia as a person because she's actually got a life now. And Ravana Renslayer, aka Google, uh, and about the raw, has got to play a big role because in the in you know in the comics, Ravana was um, she was uh, who somebody's whose wife was she in the comics? God, I, I don't remember, she, man. I'm sorry. She was a big deal. That's the reason why she was the the judge, essentially, right? Of um, He Who Remains or something like that. But, like, she was the one person who got out and got away. And she's floating around, too. There's so many questions. And, you know, it's the old Jim Ross adage, you want more questions than answers. Well, we got a shitload right. of them. And then... Yeah, you, and I'm sorry, one more thing. The Victor Timely thing, a.k.a. Kang in whatever time they're in, what is that going to be about? Is that Victor Timely? Does he know he's Kang yet? Does that Victor Timely, or is that, has that Victor Timely already been summoned to the Council of Kings? It's a lot of questions here. Right. Is it weird that it feels like Loki was a, Loki season one was like a million years ago? It does feel that way. And it really wasn't? 
like in the scope of like time, like season one, well, it's only been like a couple of years, right? Yeah, probably two. Like Loki season one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, two years ago. I think there's just been a shit ton of content that's come out in the last yeah two, two and a half and, years, and, and now it's like, this, man, you should have slow rolled that because we got shit coming out with the fucking strike. <laughs> well, this is this is this goes back to like for as much of a Bond villain as as Bob Iger is and Kevin Feige, you know, as part of this, they did recently. I think it was Feige, in an interview, said we rolled out too much content at once like that that they were too maybe they were too ambitious in their rollout plan and that that may have contributed to some of what we're seeing now with the marvel backlash slash fatigue slash whatever you want to call it um and, and yet at the same time i was like if they didn't roll out all this content the way they did if they really wanted to do everything they wanted to do phase whatever like we'd be we'd be in the 2030s <laughs> Maybe by the time this shit would be out. So who knows? I, I think this looks really good. I agree with you, Ray. I think that the mystery surrounding what's going on with Loki, what's happened since we last saw the time um, authority, giant miss minutes, by the way, uh, we didn't talk about that. You see giant miss minutes, like ro- walking through like Godzilla style. That was mildly terrifying because I don't know about you guys, but she makes me a little uncomfortable um, which I think is her point. Like that's she's supposed to make you uncomfortable as an entity all her own. Uh, but we'll be here for it, listener. Like we'll be here in October, ready to bow to our Disney and Marvel overlords and talk all about Loki season two. You'll go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. Tara Strong, she does Miss Minutes. She's the voice yep. of Miss Minutes. How high up is Loki? Just real quick, and then Ray, you can whatever. I know you got a last thought. Uh, how high up is it on your list of Marvel streaming series? Because for me, I have it second behind WandaVision for me as my favorites all time. That's tough. Um, I would probably have it in the same neighborhood of, of two or three. I really enjoyed She-Hulk. I really, really, really enjoyed Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I actually think Miss Marvel is probably my favorite series that that has been put out. You know, one and and WandaVision is probably number two for me. Uh, I loved that show. I 
fucking loved it. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's really motivated me for the Marvel. So oh, I can't, that uh, looks probably so in that top, top three or four. Yeah. That I put it so up there. You mentioned that I, I, something I desperately wanted to bring up last week when we talked about the trailer for the movie is the fact that they used uh, the Beastie Boys song with intergalactic and planetary intergalactic. and going back and forth between the intergalactic and the planetary parts of what we're about to watch. I thought that was just fucking genius. So, all right. Ray, did you have a final thought before we call, call it on the trailer park and then we'll, we'll head into talking to Nintendo? Just a question. Um, I know we're going over The Witcher, and I'm right. I, for all the jokes that we give, like that's a, a staple of the show. Um, Ahsoka comes out August 23rd. Right. Is that something that we're gonna try to talk about in a, in a way? Is that so? And the only reason I'm asking is because we're looking at the next few months. Well, with respect to Loki, which I'm sure we'll cover, Ahsoka's probably the biggest show they've done. Outside Star Wars wise, outside of the Mandalorian, with respect to Boba Fett or Mandalorian 2.5, as Patrick calls it. Yes, Tony. I I have a I have an idea. Of course you do. If we did three, I'm ep- listening. If we did three episodes of The Witcher the next two weeks, we'd finish that off just in time to cover Ahsoka's first two episodes the following week. I think this is probably where we were going to go um, it, as, as we were looking at it. Cause yeah, it's fitting eight, eight episodes into three weeks. So I would, I would say that's a, a fair decision. I'm in favor of it. So we can do that. So next week we will do three episodes of the Witcher and Tony, while you're sitting there mouthing fuck and shooting yourself in the head, just recognize that you made that bet. As I let you say it, even though, because if you had just waited till off show, you would have gotten that in a DM. And now, I mean, publicly, like everybody knows, that Tony did this to himself, everybody. All right. Want to share this last little news by little video game news, because it's been such a long time. The Nintendo Switch feels like it's been around for ever, and it's still a quality little console slash mobile gaming unit the little o'dowd has one in his nintendo switch account he loves it he's had it for a few years now takes it everywhere he goes all the way around the house on travel uh but news had a report came from video uh vgc video games chronicle.com saying that according to sources nintendo is targeting 2024 the second half of 2024 for its next gen console so fellas i'll I'll own i'm a playstation guy it's about time for nintendo to get an upgrade it's it's about time for for the switch to to get a a, an upgrade in a new step um big deal not a big deal you interested where where does the nintendo company sit for you in your video gaming interests and what would a what would a new console have to show to you for you to be like here take my money the last Nintendo I had was a Wii, and I gave that away to my sister when she was having kids so that when they get, you know, to be four, five, six, they can start video games by doing a bunch of shit on there because that's perfect for that little age range. But I don't know that they can do anything. I think, talk about Patrick, you know, 
and even Ray, when we put ourselves in a demographic, it's like 35 to 55. That's where we live. That's where we are. That's probably the group we most associate with as far as gamers go, even though we're probably on there playing different things together with younger gamers. I've done PlayStation early, went to Xbox for a while. I've had the last two iterations of PlayStation 4 and 5. I'm not a Switch guy. I can tell you people that just kind of collect consoles and stay with their favorite brands. While they'll get either an Xbox or a PlayStation, they'll still always have the latest Nintendo, i.e. DP, will get this. But I don't know what they could even do, Patrick, to answer your question. To hmm. even get me to buy That's it. Fair. Because, I mean, like, it's portable. Like, I don't need to take it anywhere to play it. I play it at home. I'm not, it's not for me, I guess. I guess it's more for That's fine. the younger generation, even though they're targeting to be, what, 20s and up or something? No, I mean, I think Nintendo has always prided itself on being a family-based brand and being a company that makes video games that parents are comfortable with their children playing. Like, I like I owned a PlayStation. I own a PlayStation 4. I am working on the Mrs. O'Dowd to finally let me get the PlayStation 5 now that there is a game I desperately want for for the PS5. Um, but when it came down to a console that for the little O'Dowd, he we wanted something. One, as a parent, for him to be able to just pick that thing up and go somewhere else and play video games and, and not because he doesn't have his own television in his room or a monitor or anything like that. It's fucking glorious. Like he can go play something on his own in his room for hours on end, and he's happy and we're happy because it's quiet around the house. For me, there are for me as a as a as a as a gamer, I I'm not like I don't I play turn based RPGs. Like that's my favorite style of video game it's why i want to play station 5 because baldur's gate 3 which is dungeons and dragons like straight up dungeons and dragons with like dice rolls and it's all turn-based action like for me that's that's my type of game nintendo offers so many jrpg turn-based games that i have games on the little odoud switch that i play because it's it's the type of game I enjoy playing, and until you know, until I get a play PS5 and then pick up, you know, uh, that eventually, when, whenever the NCAA or college football figures out what it looks like, and EA can actually make a game that sort of represents that, uh, you know, once there's just two conferences and it's basically pro football, then that'll then then I'll then I'll have my uh, I'll have my other video game console fixed, but. You know, I think the little O'Dowd's going to want the next generation, and we'll see how it goes. Ray, what about you? Ray, just to clarify quick, just to specifically categorize me and where my opinion was coming from and why I'm not opposed to the new system, but why I don't think it's for me. I'm a sports guy. I play sports games, and yeah. and I play them online, and and I play and I play Fortnite. That's it. So what what is it there? You know, just to specify that, Ray. Uh oh. Call from the mothership. It's, it's the job. Sorry, the, I'll get that once I ask the question. Are you the gatekeeper? Um, no. Um, so to, let me let me say this first. I am a very much, one thousand percent a Sony guy. 
I have been. I've had every iteration of every Sony machine, except for the PS5. And in all actuality, I bought a PS5, but gave it to my best friend as as a Christmas gift. So like, I am 100% a Sony person. But I, when I say this, and this may sound crazy, I think the Switch is the greatest console ever created. I think that because it is the only console that I that has ever that's ever existed that is, well. It's the first console because the Steam Deck now can do the same thing. But it's the first console that's ever been created that plays regular games that are sold to everybody that is portable and is dockable. More importantly, you spoke about sports games, Tony. What I love about the Switch, which started with the Wii, is the ability to physically move, to do things. So, like, yeah, you can be console based. But the majority of their games, you could actually move because the Joy-Cons allow you to move, much like the Wii. That is so dope to me. The idea that if I want to play... My girls had a game. We have the Switch. My girls had a game called 1-2-Switch, which is, right, marketing. Where essentially, it's a game where they're against each other and they, it's you can play... Um, baseball you could play this you could play all these things they play that thing for hours because they're literally just going at each other and they're active just dance another game the girls have you know so if i want to play it on a playstation or i want to play that on the xbox i got to get the camera and all the extra stuff when that is the entire point of the switch if i don't want to do that i can put my joy cons on a controller and just play it regular so i just think the dexterity uh, and, the, and the, op- the opportunity you have now a whole nother conversation which i know we, we can't have nor should we have is games that are beholden to certain um companies companies in certain yeah. consoles that's another conversation that isn't relevant to this which is part of the reason why i love sony so much because the games i care about are in sony uh, but nonetheless i think the switch is amazing so you give me a switch 2 that builds off of what the original Switch and what the Wii was, or the Wii U, or what, all of these interactive gaming machines, I'm here for it. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I think that, I don't think there's any real losers here, Tony, and I, I agree with you. I think that it's very much about, you know, demographics. And like, you, I, like, there are, like, people, it's about what kind of games you want to play, what kind of games interest you, what the system is for you um because like outside of of that i wouldn't buy a switch I, like that would be my first thing. and i know plenty of adults that have the switch and i think it's a great right. system and i think there's plenty of great sure. things for it and i'm just speaking me specifically but even something i do play pga uh, 2k23 i play online i play in the matchmaking mode so that you play people at your level as you accumulate a rank right so you're always having a good match I would say 30, 40% are against. It's got it's got the Nintendo sy- uh, symbol, so it's got to be a Switch or, or, or a Wii maybe. I don't know, but, you know, they're cross-platforming on sports games too, so you're right. right. Cool. All right, and on that note, we are going to take our second commercial break. We come back, we're going to do our weekly update on the strike, and then we're going to talk about a little Gal Gadot before we go back to a conversation we had about Marvel because I wanted to revisit some stuff, get some thoughts 
from the bandwagon. All of that, when we come back, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of ChairShot.com. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of TheChairShot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot for all of your ChairShot gear needs. $19.99 for a shirt or spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. It'll feel nice on your giblets. Gentlemen, I know you're tired of talking about it, but we're not going to stop. This is the writer strike. And the actor strike is still happening. Uh, this week, tons of actors donated in various ways. You know, we talked about The Rock giving out a ton of money, I think, the week before to the to the Actors Guild, uh, donating, I think, something like $7 million, some ridiculous dollar amount. There's been a large number of other celebrities who uh, came out. There's like a whole list of folks who are giving out, you know, a million dollars or whatever. I, uh, I sarcastically, I think, Tony may have been the one who shared the list. I can't remember if it was Tony or if it was Ray. I like sarcastically responded, well, are they giving any money to the writers? Uh, I'm sure they are, to be honest. Like, I really am sure that they are. And, you know, it's good to see that, that you know, actors who have the means are contributing to those who are striking who don't. And I think it's it's been really interesting when folks try to push back on a narrative that they don't understand that this isn't a matter of rich people arguing over, over dollars. It's really not about them. And they'll tell you that it's really, really is about these people who are in the margins, these actors who don't command billion dollar contracts because they're background actors, they're bit players, they're, you know, writers in a writer's room that, that may only be one of 12 or 15. So, it's it's still you know it's still happening the strike is going on however there is is there might be some light happening here an article from variety on august 1st noted that uh the amt the amptp uh, which is the alliance of motion picture and television producers reached out to the writers guild of america in an effort to restart negotiations so I hope that's a good thing. I hope that means that they're going to they're going to start talking about it. We'll have to see. Right? Like we're just going to have to see, but this is a good sign. This has got to be something that shows that the studios are starting to recognize, "Oh hey, they're cuz the studio if this is true and the studios ask for them to come back, that's officially the studios have blinked." Uh in my mind. It'd be the way that I would look at it. Well, is it them coming, wanting them to come back or them coming back to the negotiating table? I think that's kind of... That's what I mean. Like, getting oh, back to even the so? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, guess... Absolutely. They got to look at this at a long-term thing, right? They got to make come back and make the deal so long-term that it still works for them in the short term because that's what they're all worried about, right? But... I guess it's probably more like the benefits thing. I think that they're hung up on 
mainly? Benefits and residuals. Benefits for residuals um, and AI. AI has been a big thing that's so, part of that too. You know, it's funny. We, we joked about early on, and, and I made the bold prediction <laughs> of the holiday season, right? And then we were like, right. okay, yeah, probably early on. And then, like, just a little while ago, we were like, okay, that doesn't look like that's going to happen. And now, once again, the studios are like, hmm, we could probably make more money if we got some shit out for the holidays if we just caved now and, and gave them a little bit. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. It's 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 really weird. I didn't see that coming at all, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, well, uh, one, of the, one of the things, like I said, it'll be very interesting to see what happens here because one of the statements that came from uh, the one of the representatives of the Writers Guild is that they're not going to come back unless the producers and motion picture uh, groups agree to review their full agenda of demands. Like whether that means they, they get them or don't get them that this is, they're not going to hodgepodge it. They don't want a one or two thing. And I think I, I've said this a few times, they have to do it this way because I, I truly believe based on what I've read, you know, with the changing of this, with the changing of media, and streaming and how that has impacted what what writers actually can get or claim it's it's now or never because if they don't fight hard for this now then there's really no going back it's really hard to go back on something once it's been collectively bargained like look at the baseball players association they like hate their current deal and they're having a bitch of a time trying to get that back the nfl players association same sort of deal but Oh, Ray, yeah, I was going to let Ray jump in there. I'm trying to catch up. I'm sorry. I had to take a walk. Oh, you're good. So talking about... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. I apologize. Yeah, basically, Studios outreached this week to the Writers Guild uh, to uh, resume negotiations. And so I, I pointed out that this... I think this is a blink moment from the studios because they're the ones that are asking the writers to come back. The Writers Guild has made it very clear that if they are going to come back, that the, the negotiations need to be over their full agenda, not part of their agenda. And I just think that this is a huge, but like, I think that the writers have to take this sort of a strong stance because once, once something is collectively bargained and that contract is signed and ratified, it's really hard to change it and go back. So, so this is, this is one of the times that we really miss Dave because this is kind of Dave's career right he can speak on this a lot better than all three of us can but one of the things that us three can speak on very very fervently is we are major sports fans and we have lived through multiple labor renegotiations through all four major sports right because hockey's was so bad they were gone for a full season um and so some i can't remember who said it but someone said that if if you make a deal and one side is happy and the other isn't, it's a bad deal. The best deal is when both sides are unhappy. Not when they are happy, but when they're both unhappy because they feel like they got right. a guy, right? And you mentioned how baseball and how uh, football, the players' unions hate their deals. Well, in the NBA, the owners hate their deal. <laughs> right. So it's the other way around, right? So, but the one thing that is always a good thing, it's always important, is when the people who hold the purse strings and write the checks 
are willing to meet. You can never have a bad meeting. No matter how bad it may go, the fact that you're talking is always progress. So this is the most progress we've had since this thing has started because, yeah, they've had conversations, this and that, and they've come out and said, we won't do this, or you guys need that. Cool, whatever. They called you in. They can call, they can call you in and say, oh, we're going to offer you $2, two cents on a dollar. It could be the most egregious, disrespectful um you know, meaning of all time, but they still are offering the meat. So there is some level of positivity that comes to this. Um, and I was trying to list a little bit. I don't know if it was you, Pat, or you, Tony. One of you two alluded to the fact that we are getting to the point now where we're starting to get to the nitty gritty and we've got this content and feet to the fire. And, you know, yeah, you may have some shows that you could throw out there that are already either done or some reruns. What you can't do, late night. What you can't do, mornings. What you can't do, movies that are in the process of being made that have stopped completely. When when SAG decided to stand with the Writers Guild, there's even rumors that the reality show stars are trying to start to get together and union up. Like you were in some real trouble because it's one thing not have the writers when you ain't got the actors too. Uh, so Big Brother just started this past week yeah. on Wednesday. This will be the longest season of Big Brother ever, 100 days. It won't wrap till the second week of November. I wonder why. Mm. <laughs> mm. Content That's a great is point. king. Every point. once in a while, uh, I get to add in thing. certain nerd pockets, all right? <laughs> and well, one more thing, Patrick. So, one more thing, Patrick. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, real fast. Real, I'll be done real fast. So many people like the, I know we're in a boom period now, but so many people like to hate on the idea of what wrestling does. This is why wrestling will always be relevant because it's right. episodic every week. No union, no SAG, no nothing. Just, and, and it's a relatively cheap content compared to what they could be paying otherwise. So good for them. And thank God football just started back. It's going to help a lot of things. Right. Um. It's funny you talked about, like, Tony was like, I wonder why they're doing this. Uh, you know, I, the other thing that I think has just blown my mind is that studios can't seem to figure out their PR, like, at all with this strike. And I shared this with you guys, this article. Uh, Warner Brothers strikes again as one of their execs was like, this strike's been great for us. It saved us a hundred million dollars. And it's like, what are you fucking doing, dude? Get a P like, and he did it on a quarterly earnings call. He did it on the second quarter earnings call. Somebody's got to talk to these people. Like, even if that's true and you are happy, you don't say that. You just don't say that in the middle of a strike. Who's going to want to work for you? It's going like, to be all reality. It's going to be all reality TV. And I'm going to double down on the first thing by telling you this additional thing. The Amazing Race is going to be one hour and a half episodes every single week this next season. They're not just and doing hour episodes. They're, they're, going to, they're going to milk the shit out of that teat. And that's and, what's going to come out. <laughs> you just mentioned reality TV, right? What did Max just rebrand well, itself to carry a, a bunch of? Sports. No. The discovery no, part television. is all yeah. reality oh, yeah, based. Yeah, yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But it's going to be reality shows, and sports, home, man. Oh, HGTV. And all. Yeah, so, like, they eating right now. The, who's to say they didn't plan this? 
I, if, you have fucking I mean, pickleball. I don't, know, I don't know if I'd say I'd say they, they I plan. I don't know if plan or just not really that bothered by it. <laughs> like because of yeah, which I guess could kind of fall on the same thing. All right, I want to get to the other the other little thing that that was interesting. Uh, because one of the other things that has started to happen here is when actors or writers make appearances, uh, very show. First of all, as part of the strike, there they don't appear for a lot of things. We talked about San Diego Comic Con. A lot of actors pulled out of San Diego Comic Con because those are this San Diego Comic Con, for better or worse, has been very intimately tied with movie studios and television studios for years. Hall H. Uh, like you know the Marvel panel, the Disney, you know the DC panels, those are titled tied to Disney and Warner Brothers respectively, HBO, so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other opportunities for actors to make appearances. And one of those that is happening in December, should the strike still be going on, is the Los Angeles Comic Con. Uh, as the writer, the the Screen Actors Guild um, has agreed that it. That their that their membership could attend the Los Angeles Comic Con. Uh, however, and this is the catch, right? Because there's always a catch. And I've and I've seen this. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I think you guys know this. And, and a couple of the podcasts I listen to, uh, Parks and uh, not Parks and Recollection. That's a good podcast, but not the one I'm thinking of. Um, hey, dude, the '90s called, which is a '90s retrospective show, and. Uh, Fake Doctor's Real Friends with uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison, where they would talk about the show Scrubs. Uh, both of those shows have agreed to support their striking membership uh, by actively not speaking of the programs and shows that their guests appear on, because apparently that in some way is a promotion of the studio so for example um on hey dude the 90s called they had an actress on and she she was on she was on like a litany of shows but every single show that she did they'd be like oh that one program you did in 1996 with the cops who did blah 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 they wouldn't actually say the name of the show because Mm. they couldn't in solidarity with the actors guild and not allowing the studios to basically they consider a promotion of the studio. Uh, fake Doctors Real Friends, and I know I know you don't care for Scrubs, Tony, uh, but this particular episode, they had Adam Conover, who is one of the sitting board members of the Writers Guild. And for those of you who don't know who Adam Conover is, he had this show, it's called Adam Ruins Everything. He's a stand-up comedian. Uh, he's a really, really smart guy. And they basically just sat and talked about what the strike means, why the Writers Guild and Actors Guild are striking, what this is really all about. But it was the same thing. Like they wouldn't talk about Adam Ruins Everything because they couldn't, because that was a show he did. What they could talk about was other projects he was working on outside of acting. So like he's currently doing a stand-up tour. So they could talk about a stand-up tour. But they wouldn't talk about any of his shows. Uh, and they, and that's in solidarity with so it's really, really interesting. And that's the same rules that are going to apply here for any actor that shows up at LA Comic-Con. So don't go expecting to meet Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 745th, at LA Comic-Con and hear him talk about his latest episodes that he's putting out for Bandwagon Nerds the movie because he's not going to be able to talk about BW in the film because the evil production company then gets promoted out of it. Chair Shot Media 
we get promoted and raise striking. That's the example. Damn right. To be able to talk. I don't get the gestures. Anyway, um, I'm going to continue with this thread because it made sense to me. Um, but but basically, like Ray couldn't talk about any of his acting projects, but he could talk about his stand up comedian gigs that he was doing at the local like arena down the street, or if he was doing a concert or something like that. Uh, that's what the, these actors will be able to do photo ops. They'll be able to do signings, but they're not going to be talking about projects, and they're not going to be talking about work they did. That's so interesting to me because, right? like, all these podcasts you're speaking of, what about the Boy Meets World podcast? Will they go back and watch the shows? Can they? They can't even it's, talk about the show. It's it's up to it's up to the so it's up to the the hosts and the producers because Parks and Recollection, like, they're still talking about Parks Parks okay. and Recreation, like they're doing an episode by episode review, um, and they, they actually haven't even issued a statement about it, like. It does not surprise me that Zach Braff and Donald Faison, like Zach Braff, who is the liberaliest liberal, whoever liberal, he's such an arrogant dude. Like, he absolutely, we like they were absolutely uh, going to be doing the strike stuff. We haven't covered Seinfeld since the, the strike, so. Oh, okay. Solid, Solidarity. Solidarity? Really? No, it, it started before that out of laziness. There you go, fair enough. So it's just really interesting to follow, and is just one of those things about how this world changes while while this strike is ongoing. All right, let's talk about some fun stuff because Gal Gadot did an interview and got everybody really excited because she says that Wonder Woman three is on, and I know I, I don't think I'm speaking alone here of the castings and of the people that came into the DC universe and and did some did some good work. Gal Gadot, at least you know for she was the highlight for me of Batman versus Superman. She her Wonder Woman, the original Wonder Woman movie is fantastic. Uh, Wonder Woman 2 is a little eh. uh but she's really been the one that's she's she's cameoed the crap out of everywhere. Like she's been in like all these all these films coming up. Sounds like she doesn't want to leave the role. Sounds like maybe James Gunn wants to keep her in the role. And from what she's heard from James and Peter, they're going to develop a Wonder Woman 3 together. Good news, right? That's good news. I look forward to that. What do we want to see out of a Wonder Woman 3? Well, can I just say this real fast? Do you remember what I told you, what I texted, what I messaged you in in, in in the group chat? I said specifically, I don't believe DC, I don't believe Gal Gadot was ever done with Wonder Woman. I believe DC was done with Gal Gadot. <laughs> and I think this kind of proves that. Because the second they let her back in the door, let's go, baby. You know, um, in terms of Wonder Woman 3, what do I want to see? So she fought um, Cheetah and Max Lord in Wonder Woman 2. She fought Ares in Wonder Woman 1. Who's left? Of Wonder Woman, people. Is she gonna fight her mama? I don't know Wonder Woman lore well enough to answer that question. Well, Cheetah got to come back. I would imagine. Right, she didn't didn't die. die. Yeah. Um, and and look for all you guys think about Wonder Woman too. I think Kristen Wiig killed that role. Oh, I thought she was fine. I thought she was good. Um, Um, Cersei, Cersei's listed as one. Cersei could be fun, but if you have Cersei, then you're probably gonna have to bring Zatanna. And Zatara, Gi- don't you think? Maybe Giganta. Um, 
Um, Fate died in Black Adam, so I don't know if you could bring him if you bring Cersei. Because if Cersei's coming, then you're right. gonna have to bring in the the mystical, magical world. Um, yeah, I'm literally, I'm literally just looking at a wiki to see the names that they have. I'll tell you um, what I'd like to see. What I'd like yeah. to see is not gonna happen. I would like to see a, a episode, a, a movie, where you got Wonder Woman and Big Barda just throwing haymakers all movie. That could be fun. Like a Peter Griffin and the Chicken yep. kind of fight. One hundred percent. That and you and you can and you could even because Big Barda becomes a good person, right? You could even have Granny Goodness as the person manipulating her, as the Furies. You could do something like that. I mean, maybe I don't know, I, but I don't know Wonder Woman's lore well enough. Yeah, that's the same thing. I'm sitting there reading through this list. I was like, I don't know any of these characters. Out of actors playing said roles in the pre-existing DC universe before James Gunn took over, who had the highest approval rating as portraying that that character? Because I would argue it probably was Gal Gadot in the Wonder Woman character. Even over Henry Cavill. You know what's funny? You know who probably would have been right next to, to Gal? Oh, fuck. Fucking Ezra Miller. <laughs> uh, I mean, do people that. loved him as Barry Allen. Before, before he pulled all the shit that, you know, brought everything to light, yeah. I mean, we it's spoke... Worth, he, irony, was, yeah. he was the star of the Snyderverse portrayal of, of, of that whole thing. Once you got the everything in, like, six parts that you could kind of watch, like, you got to know his character in that one. I, I thought he did a great job there. I mean... And you know I'm a Grant Gustin guy, so I, I'm all for I, Gal Gadot reprising her role in this new universe, and that's totally fine with probably a lot of people, much like her approval rating. I think the OG six, and you can count say seven if you want to count Henry Lennox as Martian Manhunter. We're all casted very well, I think. Now at the time things have changed very very much, but things have changed at the time, but. To your point, I think the one person everybody felt like, oh yeah, what that of all of the movies that have come out in DC from Man of Steel to now, the only one that's been unanimously like that was really good was the first Wonder Woman. All the rest of them have people been like, yeah, Harley Quinn's movie, yeah, it was cool, but it had some flaws. Aquaman, yeah, it was fun. Like all the other movies have had something. There is nobody that says Wonder Woman, the OG Wonder Woman movie, was bad. So I'll get your point. But the question is, I don't like the question. So f- please don't don't kill the messenger. The question is, is she a draw? Oh, for sure. Wonder Woman, the first movie was a draw because that was the first, with respect to Miss Marvel. She's the OG women's superhero. That was the first one. It was going to make money. The second one, we don't know if it made money or not because that was the first movie to come out in the pandemic. That's the question. Is she in that role worth the draw of spending a $250 million to make the movie? I mean, it, I would have been really interested to see what if, if there had been theaters, what 1984 kind of theaters, because I remember watching that with a little doubt. I remember him he kind of quit watching because it lost him it, it bored him a little bit so i i can feel that i i don't know i i think she's a great wonder woman i think that 
Um, she's played the role itself with what she's been given very, very well. I think of the OG six that, you know, that, that they could have retained. And I, here's the thing is oddly enough, I think Jason Momoa as Aquaman, it would, was good too. Like I think that Agreed. I think the casting wasn't bad for most of the DCU. I just think the stories and the execution were terrible, and and that's why we are where we are. So who knows? We'll see. It could just be Gal Gadot talking something she wants to try and speak into existence. I don't know why she would drop James Gunn and Saffron's name if if it wasn't real. So we'll we'll have to hold off on that. But I really want to. I got two things left on the show today. And I kind of wanted to get into the meat of this a little bit. Uh, last week, we were talking about the end of Secret Invasion. We started to get into, like, we, we kind of, we dove into the weeds a little bit. And for, for disclosure, for those of you who don't remember, like, I was pretty darn down on the finale. And I'm still pretty down on it. And it took me a little bit to really try and articulate what it was that I didn't like that really bothered me. And I think at the end of that conversation is that we kind of worked through it. Uh, where I landed was really not so much Gaia's place in the world, but the, but, but the character that, that had been created and the power set that Gaia has as the, the, the super scroll is literally like most every Avengers DNA slash powers within one character and this just ridiculous it's it's like aladdin with the phenomenal cosmic powers and and she doesn't have an itty bitty living space right now to hold her in check like she is like right now where we left secret invasion she is in my opinion the most powerful character in the mcu unless they explain something to nerf away all of her abilities uh, but that's actually where I wanted to go with this conversation, because what I did notice, and I, I shared the wrong article, I shared the article that Dave shared, where, one, it took me a second to realize that Marvel has now put out 44 titles in the MCU, uh, right? Like, it's like, holy shit, that's a lot. Um, and and there, this article from Variety, like, its big complaint is that it feels like all of the post-Thanos, post-in-game films have had to be bogged down by that like sort of larger overarching uh narrative that it, that it then hurts things and, and i disagree with that sort of assessment because i think that this is that's that's missing the point of the fact that this monumental you know universe defining moment that shifted reality and all that we know of it is going to have aftermath and repercussions and rever reverberations throughout all these shows like that's just how it works like the world still exists you can't have she hulk for example and not acknowledge that events of the world from endgame are going to impact the show she hulk or you know they complained about it in miss marvel they complained about it in uh like the, the, art, the, the writer just seemed to to think that like we should forget about that that thing happened and is dead and gone but one of the things that I did think was really interesting and I wanted to get people sought on was a similar article that uh, pointed out, that, you know, we, we got into this a little bit, Ray, you remember, because you were like, you know, there's always the new most powerful thing and then it's like, how do you defeat that thing? 
there's a lot of mo- quote, kind of quote alpha level characters that have like been developed and introduced on you know in, in the MCU on and and some folks would argue on the hero side of things. I don't know if that's entirely true. We we talked about this. We don't really know where Gaia stands. Um, but as I kind of looked back, I'm like, well, damn, there really has been a lot of just really just obscenely powerful characters introduced, whether it's in, you know, at the internals level, uh, you know, Tony, I think, and Dave have sort of waxed poetic about the street justice character, the daredevils of the world, the like the just a guys. We, we don't have a lot of just a guys. We've got Anthony Mackie. Like we do, right? Like, cause he's not super powered. Like Clint Kate. Like there, there's they're they're out there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, but the the introduction of like all these sort of like forces to be reckoned with. The the, the article argued what threat would really scare those forces or, or would really put you in doubt that those forces would come through. Now, Marvel has so far seemingly found a way to explain that. Or has been able to resolve it. So yes, we and we talked about that last week, having faith in the product. But what do you think about this idea of just the, the sheer volume of we'll, we'll call them alpha level powered characters, like those, um, or I think they call it in, in the X Men, they're called Omega level mutants. Like mm-hmm. Charles Xavier is an Omega level mutant. Like he's Gene, obscenely Bobby Drake, Gene yeah. Gray, Magneto, even. Um, their powers manifest in such a way that they can wipe out worlds on their own, um, that sort of stuff. And that's the sort of characters we have here. Does Marvel have an OP hero problem? Ray? No. And I'll tell okay. you why. Because let's look back at the build to the, to the fight against Thanos. You, you have maybe the smartest human that we know alive with respect at the time, with respect to Shuri, respect to Riri, respect to Reed Richards. At the time, uh, Iron Man, right? You have, quite frankly, a living god, even though it's an alien, in Thor. You have the greatest hero America's ever known, and maybe the world, in Cap. And then you have Big Bruce, a.k.a. the Hulk, who is a omega level threat, to your point. And then you got the two best assassins ever known probably in Clinton and, and Natasha, right? Those are your OG six. And then you add extra pieces to it. You add Spider-Man and you add Mackie and you add uh, Bucky who finally got good and you add Captain Marvel who's been gone for two. But you add all these pieces, but you have to add all these pieces because when you see Thanos, you have to have enough things to make it realistic to beat this dude. Let's go back and watch Endgame. He demolished Thor Iron Man and and Cap at the same time, right? So you have to build enough heroes to make the threat believable. That's why Infinity War is maybe the best movie they've ever done, because they had other people and it wasn't enough. Which I think is beautiful and and to show the idea that yeah, just because you everything always ends well, don't mean it always does. We're going facing a multiversal threat in Kang, who alone can probably take out half the Avengers, but it's going to be thousands of him, right? We st- that's just what we know now. We still have the possibility of the Beyonders coming because we know we have Secret Wars coming. 
we still have the possibility of doom whenever he becomes the doom we know who takes the power from the beyonders a nihilist is still in the negative zone big bad galactus out there there were th- literally erishim the judge came and grabbed people from earth whose head was the size of the earth there are right. so many things out here that are so much more dangerous than Lilo Thanos that you're going to need some OP people to make it believable. you telling me that Anthony Mackie, Doctor Strange, um, fucking Kate Bishop and all the, the kids, the, the young Avengers, Riri and her and, and Shuri, right? They're going to beat Galactus? No. So you have to give me something to believe it. The problem is we as fans aren't patient enough. So when we see someone like Gaia or we see someone like all three of the Marvels, um, um, Carol, Monica, and Kamala, when we see these people pop up, right? We got Dr. Strange, now Cleo's here. We see all these things and we're like, oh, America Chavez. Man, that's too much, dog. I, why? And then when they lose two in a year and a half, you got to be like, what they had to lose? They had to lose because it's show you the big threat. You know, we haven't had the big fight yet. And I think that's what's important. No, you know, so no, I do not think, I think we need more. I'm honest. I think we need more OP heroes. Tony, what say you? More OP heroes? Less OP heroys just right? Are you Goldilocks in this business? Doesn't it really matter how Gaia comes out of this thing, though? Is like what side she's going to fall on? She could fall on either side, to be honest with you, right? Um, I I don't know. I it is what it is. I I mean, maybe there's something in it where she gives back her powers or whatever. But I agree, her having them is a problem enough so that we're talking about what side is she on? What level of uh, combat is she going to be involved in? Is it the biggest of the bigs that have infinite power like you brought up or not? So, I don't know. It's an interesting place that they're going. But like you said, Loki, Marvels, that's going to lead to what's going on right here. It's, it's, it's really connected, if you think about it. And unfortunately, if you don't like it, maybe the whole Skrull, Kree thing leads us to where we're going right now. You know, maybe I hope so. I I'm not particularly worried about it either. Uh, I just thought it was a fascinating little exercise to to kind of talk about because I think that I, I and I also think some of this is again this concept of newness. Like I I really think that there's this weird media narrative of being uncomfortable with new characters. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, and I, I, it's just it's sort of strange to me. It's like I don't know that anything. That we've seen, I, and again, outside of again, I did not, and I will, I will repeat this because I haven't changed my mind on how I feel on the end of Secret Invasion. Like I did not like that result. Um, but when you look at, like, you know, we went after the Eternals. Sorry, that wasn't the movie. Like, we didn't like this movie. We went after She-Hulk really hard because people are sexist and stupid. I'm not saying you, I'm like other media. We're the good media. Um, you know, I, people went Ms. after this Marvel, Moon Moon Marvel yeah. really hard. Like, Moon it's Knight. just, it's so, it yeah, Moon yeah. Knight. Like, 
Moon Knight got reviewed well, oddly enough, because it was dark, dark, gritty. Uh, My mom's favorite uh, Marvel streaming series. And but was it the least watched though? Of all, it of was. Them? She thought she thought Isaac was, Oscar Isaac was Secret amazing. Invasion. That's why she loved it. I hear I hear Secret Invasion was uh, its numbers were worse, uh, even though it got solid reviews to start and then sort of tapered off too as well. So it's just it's an interesting exercise. It's a strange. It's a strange place, I think, for the media to be after being so accustomed and used to sort of having a sense of where things are going and not having that right now has been, um, I think, challenging for some folks. The, and and it's, it's backlashed in reviews. The, the, so when I read the article and we were talking about it, this was this what came to my mind because it's the only way it can make sense to me. And I apologize for continuing to use wrestling, but that's my frame of reference for damn near everything in my life. But the golden era of wrestling was what it was. It was major, it was huge, it got it into every home. And then Next Gen came, and the people who liked golden era didn't like Next Gen, because it wasn't their wrestling. And then Next Gen didn't do so well, so we went to Attitude Era. And people who liked Attitude Era, the people who liked Next Gen didn't like Attitude Era, because it wasn't their wrestling. And Attitude Era to Ruthless Aggression, Ruthless Aggression, to PG and PG to the reality era and so on and so forth. Every old generation doesn't like the new things because it's not theirs until it becomes nostalgia. Then it becomes cool. And then I'm with it because there are people who are literally talking about speaking of WWE in particular, man, you know, John Cena's not the GOAT. We all lived through when people were literally begging to for John Cena to die. But now right. because enough time has passed, we love John Cena. Right, and that the 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 Raws of 2010 and Smackdowns of 2010, where Dolph Ziggler was main eventing every show, people hated that. Now people are waxing poetic about man the good old days. That's just us as a society. So I mean, in fairness, Craig Demarco and I once had a Ziggler tracker on our show where we, where we <laughs> followed it. We had music and everything. It was true. I, I will. Hey, Ziggler's my guy, by the way. So, but go ahead. I won't say anything Ray just said is wrong. I'll just say that, you know, sometimes we give a little too much credit to certain things. That's all. I mean, no, you're, you're spot on about that. But but there is something to the fact that it's not mine. So I need a right. while to get used to it. But Marvel's moving so fast. The reason why we were able to get down with the OG Marvel, the big phase one, was because it took five years. It wasn't like yeah, I, overnight. I mean... Yeah, I think that there, the the again, we, well, we talked about content overload earlier too. I think that's been a bit they, of a you know of a piece of it as well. I you don't have time to catch a breath. The obvious isn't mentioned though. The beginning of Marvel and then their execution into their end of that beginning story, and it was excellently done, gets understated, and that's why it happened. And it landed in a world of not a lot of other good things. You're coming off the heels of like X-Men kind of fizzling out, right? In that whole nerdverse. And then we get into MCU and it just makes it happen. While we've clearly stated DC's doing nothing as far as movie goes. So execution accompanied with timing <laughs> in a there's lucky always, way. I mean, there, there's, and there's Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. to the third like very established point of everything succeeding. Period. But my point is, 
we were able to enjoy Robert Downey Jr. Oh, I because agree. Iron Man happened, and then it wasn't another Marvel movie for like another nine months. Well, look at all like, the stuff was that like, was pretty decent. It took decent. like four years from, from Iron Man 1 to get to the Avengers. You brought up wrestling. Look at all the stuff that was pretty decent after the Attitude Era, even outside of WWE. But it doesn't look back upon favorably because it's after the Attitude Era. Oh, I disagree. It is now. Because yeah, at well, the time. That's just... All that stuff is looked at with, in the style, with nostalgic eyes because enough time I passed. apologize, Patrick. Okay, well, we'll put a bow on this. Um, I just thought it was something fun to sort of talk about and, and move on from. I do want to take a moment. Uh, we learned this week that uh, sad news in the entertainment industry, as Paul Rubens, better known to many, many people as Pee Wee Herman, uh, passed away uh, at the age of 70 due to cancer. And apparently he'd been battling cancer for about six years, and it kept it quiet, very similar to what we've learned with a lot of celebrities. Uh, Chadwick Boseman was another good example. Like, nobody knew he had cancer until he passed away, and it came out of nowhere. Paul Rubens, the same way his battle uh, ended this week. And it, it's been a fascinating sort of thing, you know, and this always sort of happens when a celebrity passes away. Like, here's this guy. Um, I didn't realize that this this guy would get this level of tribute as what I saw flow around from him. And I mean, and I grew up on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Like I watched that as a kid. I was a child of the eighties. It was there. You know, you know, what do you do when you hear the secret word? You scream real loud. All of that. Yep. And the whole deal. Uh he, you know, he he worked with Lawrence Fishburne before Lawrence Fishburne was super famous. Uh Lawrence Fishburne was Cowboy Curtis, uh, for those of you who don't know. Uh and uh yeah, he was just uh he was known for that. I think because he was known for that, and he also had some trouble with the law, like everybody likes to make jokes about his movie theater incident. Um, but he was also a really talented comedian and was a really talented comedic actor. And two examples of that, if you've ever seen him in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he plays the sort of henchman vampire to Rutger Hauer's lead vampire. And in what I think is one of the funniest bits I've ever seen in a movie, he gets staked in the heart by Buffy towards the end of the movie. And he like looks down at the stake and he's just like, ah, oh, ah, oh. And he goes and he like walks off to a doorway and he's like curled up in a doorway. The movie ends. And then in one of my favorite mid to end credit scenes, they cut back to him. He's still doing it in in this doorway. And he's like, ah, oh, he's kicking the doorway. It's just, it's genius stuff. Um, and then he was the uh, the character in, in Mystery Men who his his power was his flatulence uh, and, and was was just hilarious. Uh, and he spoke with a lisp. He actually sounds very much like the retainer guy that I do. Um, if you go and you listen to him talk. So Paul Rubens, you know, happy trails. I thought he deserved a moment. Uh, is he was? Yeah, I think he was a bigger deal than people really. I, he was clearly a bigger deal than I, I gave him credit for. So, Ray, Tony, any thoughts on Paul Rubens? We'll start with Tony. I I watched Pee Wee's Playhouse growing up. I remember Lawrence Fishburne as the cowboy. I remember. Um, was he the cowboy mailman? Was he the mailman, or was there a different mailman? And then there was the no big... cowboy Curtis was. There was a mailman, Cherry, obviously the word of the day, connect the dots. 
Um, then Pee Wee's Big Adventures, the movies. The movies were excellent as well. There was like two or three of them. And I remember watching those. But he also did make his way to the WWE. Really? 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 Infinity! <laughs> A little Pee Wee Herman drop for you there. Uh, Ray. I, um, Herman, Paul Rubens. I, also I, a great I, voice actor. I was not a person who was around enough to have watched TV's Playhouse, but my cousin did. I think it was just before so, you. Yeah, just before me. So I, I appreciate it for what it is. As me and Patrick have had conversations at nauseum, I, I truly appreciate children's programming and what it, especially in those eras and what it did for generations who, you know, weren't able to go to school yet, but learned and things of that nature. I, like, I love it. I appreciate it. So, um, it was, all, it was always weird to me until I kind of, I, when you get older and you have kids, you kind of get it. Um, but I appreciated seeing him outside of the character because he was always peewee to me. And then I got to meet Paul Rubens and I was like, oh, this dude's talented. Um, it's always sad whenever somebody passes, whenever somebody who had that great of impact on society passes. But I think the saddest thing to me is that he basically didn't tell anybody and had just put out a statement basically saying, hey, I'll, I'm sorry I hadn't told anybody going through this. I love my fans. And then it's after, it was very quickly after it happened. That's a very sad story to me um, because I'm a very big person in believing that these people who put their lives on the line and gave their lives, their livelihoods, their families, their time, their energy, their blood, sweat, and tears to entertain people, deserve to get their flowers while still alive. And I don't know if he had a chance to get that. Um, so, yeah, recipes to the dude. One other, uh, one other great Paul Rubens performance that spoke to me when I was a little kid. One of my favorite movies that Disney ever put out in the 80s was a movie. It was the first movie I ever watched when I got Disney Plus, it was Flight of the Navigator. And Flight of the Navigator, he uh, is on a spaceship. The, this small child is on a spaceship, and there is a robot that speaks to him that is the the uh, the AI of the ship. And that voice is Paul Rubens. And for about half the movie, he has sort of his normal speaking voice before he discovers humor and comedy. And then it's basically the Pee Wee Herman voice the rest of the way. Uh, which you would think would be annoying, but to eight-year-old me, it was absolutely not. And I still love that movie to this day. I think it's a great, great film. If you ever, if you ever have a chance to watch a good film for, with your kids in the fun sci-fi gateway drug, uh, Flight of the Navigator, great, great movie. Great cool. call, All right. Flight well, of the Navigator. I, I know the deep cuts. Raise your glass to one Paul Rubens. We're going to head out right after this so that is going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds before we get out of here let's do a quick once around let everybody know where they can find you on the socials and on the chair shot radio network this week we will start with reverend raven s cashington esquire the 745th well you can find me at uh it's ray cash r-e-y's mysterio c-a-s-h as in dollars on x on q on Z, and coming soon to F. 
I'll be there. How about you, boy? PC Tunny. Yeah, follow me at PC Tunny. Threads, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever the fuck it is. I don't care. And PB Herman. Forever associated with the song Tequila. Also responsible for people asking tour guides at the Alamo where the basement is. Uh, these are all this is that the Alamo actually paid tribute to him that way. Let like pay, they we give my own tribute by uh, laughing appropriately, dear joke. Have you ever been to Alamo? No, I've never been to the Alamo. Trash. Alright. <laughs> so thank you for Sorry, asking dude. where the basement is, because it's about as big as like my living room, damn it. Trash. Well, but have you seen have you seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Ray? Like the man movie? when I was little, bro. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Because he go he goes to a fortune teller to find his bike, and she tells him to look for it in the basement of the Alamo. So he goes all the way to Texas, and he's going around on this tour, and they finish seeing everything, and he's like, "We haven't seen the basement." And, and Jan Hooks, rest her soul, is the one who says, "There's no basement in the Alamo," and apparently, yeah, that created a trend. That has happened for 40 plus years ever since where they say that day doesn't go by where someone doesn't ask where the basement of the Alamo is. Uh, so, all right. Um, you can follow me on the X Twitter at, um, at Wrestling Realist. It's at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Same handle on threads. Uh, you should also follow Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter. That is at Bandwagon Nerds. Uh, we haven't put up any polls since the last time we put one up. The uh, person who was going to abide by the results did not abide by the results. Oh, ergo, right. ergo, no more polls and, until Tony commits, mm-hmm. you know, clearly but, you have the time. But so the poll golf work and sit in that chair. The poll did say he was a squirrel. So are we talking? It did say he was a squirrel, squirrel. So maybe tiny. it wasn't really a piece of Tony. Uh, I, Ray, what should the next PC Tony based be we got to come up with this every poll now on bandwagon nerds is going to be about pc tunny and and then we're going to make tunny put up the poll about himself we're gonna be like tunny put this poll up it's gonna be great i uh, got it awesome i got it i got it oh yes what's that, what's that? slaughterhouse or the demeter which one is tunny ah, there you go there you go i love it all right as I said, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Make sure you get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. Check out some old Paul Rubens' work, whether it's Pee Wee Playhouse, any number of movies that he was in. He was quite the talent. You will not regret it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week on Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.